as they're heading off. If you would turn to the book of Philemon. Philemon is one of the shortest books in the New Testament. It is page 1186 in your pew Bibles. It is one of the letters of the Apostle Paul. And uh, in the fall, we studied the book of Colossians. And Philemon also lived in the town of Colossae. So uh, he was one of um, someone whom Paul knew there. And so today I wanted to look at this short book uh, that's maybe not one of the most familiar letters uh, or books in the New Testament, but I think it has uh, an important message for us. So I'm going to read the whole book. It's all one chapter on one page. The letter of Paul to Philemon. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me, in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, but for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Have you ever found yourself in the middle of a sticky 
personal situation. A situation that feels complicated and messy and hard to resolve. Uh, let me throw out three examples. Maybe you've been caught in the middle. You have two friends. You love both of them dearly, but they just can't seem to get along with each other. They're constantly offending and annoying each other, and you feel pressure from both of them to take one side against the other, and you're afraid that you might lose one or even both friendships. Or maybe you've been left in the lurch. Someone treated you poorly, they caused you a lot of trouble, and now they've disappeared, or as we would say today, they've ghosted you. You've paid them to do a job, and they never finished it, or they badmouthed you to others, but they would never come and sit down with you and explain their concerns directly to you, and now they won't even talk to you. So part of you feels like good riddance, but part of you is still hurt by how they treated you. Part of you wants to hunt that person down and hold them accountable. Or maybe you have been ashamed of past mistakes. Perhaps you look back on a difficult situation and you think, I didn't handle that all that well. Maybe it was a family situation, a, an argument with a relative, and then you stopped talking to each other and now it's been years. You still haven't had any communication with one another. Or maybe it was a work situation. Maybe you told off a boss or walked off a job and or maybe something happened at school and you look back and you think, maybe I was immature, maybe I could have handled that better, but you sort of feel ashamed to, take a, to go back to the person and try to patch things up. You feel afraid of how they might treat you. Well, the book we're looking at this morning it's about three people who found themselves in those three sticky situations. Onesimus was ashamed of his past mistakes, Philemon had been left in the lurch, and Paul was caught in the middle. So I want to look at this book this morning and what it has to say to each of these three characters and to us when we find ourselves in situations like theirs. Now, Philemon is, a, compared to all the other letters of Paul, it's a personal letter about a personal matter. So every other letter of Paul, Paul spends time uh, expounding on or reflecting on why Jesus Christ came into the world and the meaning of his death and his resurrection. But in this letter, he doesn't do that, explicit, at least not explicitly. Uh, also, Paul doesn't give any direct instructions to the church in this letter. So most of Paul's other letters, he's writing them to churches, or 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, they're written to individuals, but they're written to leaders of churches about how to lead a church. So this is a sort of unusual letter because Paul's writing to a personal friend of his to address a personal situation that he finds himself in. Um, and so you might ask, why is such a personal letter included in the Bible? But I think the main point we're meant to take away from this little book is that the gospel of Jesus Christ makes a difference when we find ourselves in sticky, personal situations. It's not just a beautiful idea or a theory 
And it's not just a list of rules to follow to stay out of trouble. It makes a difference when we find ourselves in challenging, messy, complicated situations. So I want to consider the three main characters in this book and how the gospel of Jesus Christ made a difference for each of them in the situation they found themselves in. And as we see how it made a difference for them, we'll see how it makes a difference for us. So first, let's look at Onesimus, who was ashamed of past mistakes. Uh, now, uh, I'll also explain a little bit of the situation in the background of this letter. So uh, we learn from verse 16 that Onesimus had been a bondservant. Uh, that word is sometimes translated slave in other translations of the Bible of Philemon. Now, when we hear the word slave, most of us immediately think of American slavery before the Civil War, where millions of Africans were kidnapped from their homeland, sold, taken across the ocean, uh, and made to work in conditions that were often brutal with little or no hope of ever obtaining their freedom. Uh, however, slavery in the ancient world wa uh, was somewhat different. Uh, for one thing, slavery in the ancient world was not based on race or skin color. So people of all races might have been uh, in, in, uh, slaves or, or not. Also, for many people, slavery was not a permanent condition. Uh, some scholars estimate that at any one time, a third to a half of the population of the Roman Empire were slaves. So it was a very uh, widespread experience, but most household slaves, like Onesimus, uh, were either given their freedom or had the opportunity to buy their freedom before they turned 30. So it was a, it was a, it just, it's a, historically speaking, it was a different situation. It's not always what we sort of initially imagine when we hear the word slave. Uh, now, being a slave in the ancient world wasn't normally a pleasant experience. I don't want to, uh, I think that wouldn't be accurate to say that either. Uh, slaves had no legal rights, and many times they were treated terribly and unfairly. But when we hear that Onesimus was a bondservant to Philemon, uh, we shouldn't immediately think that Philemon is this uh, nasty, oppressive, horrible guy. Uh, that doesn't seem to have been the case. Uh, in fact, Paul indicates that Onesimus had uh, caused some trouble or even offended or wronged Philemon in the past. So verse 11, Paul says, Formerly he, Onesimus, was useless to you. That could mean he had been a lazy and irresponsible worker, or it could be a reference to the fact that he had run away. Right? When Paul's writing this letter, Onesimus is not with Philemon. Onesimus is with Paul. And he's sending Onesimus with this letter. And then verses 18 and 19, uh, notice what Paul says there. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I'll repay it. Now, Paul doesn't come out and say exactly how Onesimus had wronged Philemon. Uh, perhaps he had stolen from Philemon on his way out the door. Or perhaps he was in debt to Philemon. So one of the reasons why people ended up in slavery in the ancient world sometimes is because they owed debts that became overwhelming. And back then, there was no such thing as bankruptcy. That didn't exist in that society. And so if people were desperately poor, owned nothing, and owed way more debts than they could ever pay, their last resort would be 
to sell themselves into slavery, which basically meant promise to work for someone else, usually for a certain number of years, in order to sort of work off what they owed. Okay, so again, it wasn't necessarily a permanent condition, uh, but basically the, uh, the, the boss would assume the debt uh, or pay it up front in exchange for a promise uh, of work for a certain amount of time. Um, if that was the situation, Onesimus had effectively promised to work for Philemon for a while, but then he had skedaddled. And so Philemon would have been left in the lurch, right? He had put the money up, paid the money up front, and with a promise of work, and then the worker disappears, right? Um, again, Paul doesn't explain the details, but presumably that's because Philemon and Onesimus all knew the details very well. So he didn't have to spell it out in the letter. So Onesimus had offended Philemon, he had run away, but then we learn that under Paul's influence, Onesimus had become a follower of Jesus. So verse 10, Paul uses an unusual phrase uh, that uh, probably sounds unfamiliar to us. He says, uh, my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Now in the ancient world, teachers would sometimes refer to their students as uh, their sons or their children. Um, uh, and so that's what Paul's doing here. He's using that phrase that many Jewish teachers used. Onesimus is my son. I'm his father. In other words, I'm his teacher. He's my student. Uh, so then you might wonder, well, wait a minute. If Onesimus uh, ran away from Philemon, how did he find his way to Paul? Right? Paul was in a different city far away. Well, Onesimus ran away from Colossae. That was a small town where Onesimus and Philemon had lived. If he was gonna run away and sort of leave that all behind, he would have gone to a big city where he could hide, where he could blend in, where he could hopefully start off a new life. But living life on the run doesn't always turn out well. So Onesimus would have been unemployed in an unfamiliar city, trying to stay anonymous, trying not to let anyone know about his past because they could have, legally speaking, returned him to Philemon, and he could have been in a whole lot of trouble. So Onesimus might well have been lonely, hungry, and afraid. And the thing was, in the ancient world, it was not easy. If you didn't own any property, it wasn't always easy to find a job. Right? That's why uh, the sort of uh, Bond that's why so many people were bond servants is because it sort of gave them some security of knowing I'll at least have enough food to eat on a day-to-day -day basis and a place to lay my head at night. Whereas if you were sort of on the temporary labor market and you had to show up at the, uh, in, in the marketplace every day and hope somebody would hire you to work in their fields and you might not get hired and you might not have any food that night. And you wouldn't get paid very well either. So there were, the ancient world was, a, the point is, the ancient world was a hard place to live. Right? Sometimes you would find yourself in a situation with no really good options. Um, so Onesimus had run away, but he might well have had some second thoughts and thought, I know that Paul is a friend of Philemon. And maybe if I go and talk to Paul, maybe Paul can help patch things up. So I'm not just on the run forever. And maybe, maybe uh, 
I can find a way forward. We don't totally know exactly if that's what was, was his reasoning, but Onesimus found Paul, and Paul, the first thing Paul did was lead him to faith in Jesus and tell him about how Jesus had come for every one of us. Right? As Paul says in many of his letters, Jesus came for men and women, for, slaves and, uh, for slave and free, uh, for Jews and Gentiles, for all kinds of people. And so that's the first thing Paul did was to lead Onesimus to faith in Jesus. Now, how did having faith in Jesus make a difference for Onesimus in the situation that he found himself in? And how does the gospel of Jesus make a difference if we feel perhaps ashamed of something we've done in the past and afraid to fess up to it and try to make things right? Well, uh, the first thing we see is that the gospel of Jesus gives us a new identity as God's children. Paul describes Onesimus in verse 16 as more than a bondservant. He's a beloved brother. So Paul doesn't define Onesimus by his social status or uh, by the unwise decisions he made in the past. And Paul doesn't leave Onesimus all alone to fend for himself. Paul says he's a beloved brother. He has a place to belong in the family of God. He's a child of God. And he's a brother to everyone in the family of God. And so the gospel of Jesus gives us a new identity. As children of God and brothers and sisters through Christ, it also gives us a new attitude toward our work. Verse 11, formerly he was useless, but now he's indeed useful. Verse 13, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me during my imprisonment for the gospel. Paul was under house arrest because he was preaching about Jesus as Lord. And the Romans didn't like somebody who was saying that Jesus is the Lord. They wanted absolute allegiance to Caesar. And Paul says, no, there's this guy, Jesus, who has higher authority than Caesar. So Paul was under house arrest. So he needed people to help him. He couldn't go out and get his food. He, couldn't, he, he needed people to help him get basic necessities of life, food, clothing, uh, also supplies, and also to carry his letters. And Onesimus had become one of Paul's trusted helpers. And in fact, Paul sent Onesimus with this letter to Philemon, as well as with the letter to the church in Colossae. So you see that Paul had come to really trust and rely on Onesimus. After he had come to faith in Jesus, he had had, and, and, and you can see, Onesimus now had a new motivation for his work. Right? He wasn't uh, running away, uh, and he wasn't being lazy, but he had a new motivation for his work. Um, also, the gospel of Jesus, for Onesimus, the gospel of Jesus Christ gives us courage to face the past instead of running away from it. So verse 12, Paul says, I'm sending him back to you. You might think, oh, so think about it. Onesimus is going back to face the man who he had run away from. The one who he had previously offended, perhaps even stolen from. But he wasn't going back as the same man who had left. He's going back with a new identity, with a new attitude, and also with some help with this letter from Paul that advocates on his behalf. So that's how the gospel of Jesus made a difference for Onesimus. A new identity, a new attitude, and courage to face the past instead of run away from it. 
But then let's look at Philemon. Philemon's situation was he had been left in the lurch. And legally speaking, Paul had every right to punish Onesimus. The laws of ancient Rome were extremely harsh toward runaway slaves. Runaway slaves could be sold to a harsher master, scourged with a whip, branded on the forehead, put in an iron collar. We actually have some of these iron collars that have survived for 2,000 years. It was a very harsh world. Or crucified or thrown to wild animals or otherwise killed. This was a really rough world to live in with a lot of violence going on. And Philemon would have felt significant cultural pressure to punish Onesimus in at least some way. Otherwise, maybe his other, any other people that he employed would have got the same idea. Well, if I'm in debt, I can sell myself to Philemon and then run away and then I'll be fine. And then I can escape my debt and don't have to do the work. His fellow bosses would have accused him of being a softy. But look at what Paul asks Philemon to do in verse 17 and following. Verse 17, receive him as you would receive me. Now, if Paul showed up on Philemon's doorstep, Paul was a good friend of Philemon's. Philemon would have opened the door and said, come right in. I'll make you a nice meal. You're my friend. You're my brother in Christ. And Paul says to Philemon, I want you to receive Onesimus in the same way. With open arms, as if he were me. Because he too is now your brother in Christ. And a partner in the gospel. And verse 18 and 19, Paul says, receive, not only receive him, but also forgive him for any ways that he has wronged you in the past. If he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, Paul says, charge that to me. In other words, don't punish him at all. Don't make him pay for the mistakes he made in the past. Because he's not the same man that he once was. He's now a new creature in Jesus Christ. And then in verse 16, Paul says, take him back. But Paul says, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant as a beloved brother, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So Paul says, look at Onesimus through the lens of Jesus Christ. Not through the lens of your past experience, not through the lens of what's legally allowed or culturally acceptable, but through the lens of Jesus Christ. You see, in the ancient Roman Empire, from a legal standpoint, slaves were considered property, not persons. But Paul says you must not treat Onesimus as your property. He's a person. He's a beloved brother. He belongs to God, ultimately. Not ultimately to you. God made him, and Jesus Christ died for him. God is both his master and yours. You see how Paul completely reframes the relationship between Philemon and Onesimus here. And so Paul says, therefore, you must treat Onesimus no longer as a bondservant, but as a beloved brother on both a physical and a spiritual level. So how does the gospel of Jesus Christ 
transform people like Philemon? Well, for one thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ leads us to question our culture, some of our culture's assumptions. I mean, do you see how countercultural Paul's words were here? This is a society where slaves were considered property. They had no legal rights. And Paul says, no, because of Jesus Christ, he's a brother. And Philemon would have been expected to publicly punish and humiliate Onesimus. And Paul says, no, because of Jesus, forgive him and receive him instead. So the gospel of Jesus Christ leads us to question some of our culture's assumptions and treat people the way God wants us to treat them and not simply as our culture might expect us to treat them. The gospel of Jesus Christ also gives us the power to forgive people who have wronged us in the past if they repent. Now we might say, how do we get the power to do that? Well, we get the power to do that by seeing what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that we owed him a debt that we couldn't pay. And he didn't say, make them pay. Instead, he came and he paid the debt himself when he hung on the cross. And if we've received that forgiveness from God through Jesus, then we can extend that forgiveness to others who have wronged us. And notice in verse 9 and verse 14, Paul wants Philemon to do this willingly and not half-heartedly. He says, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. Paul wants Philemon to forgive and receive Onesimus from the heart, from a heart that's been filled with the transforming love of Jesus Christ. Another way the gospel transformed Philemon is the gospel of Jesus Christ gives, us, gives people who have been wronged the power to see God's good purpose prevailing over human sin and foolishness. So look at verse 15 for a minute. Paul says, This perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. It's a very interesting way Paul, Paul phrases it, right? Paul doesn't say, this is why Onesimus decided to leave you. Paul's not excusing Onesimus if Onesimus had stolen from Philemon or ran away from uh, working the amount of time he had promised to work. But Paul's saying, can you see that maybe God had a greater purpose in all of this? He uses why he was parted from you. So that's what's called the passive voice, right? Uh, he it doesn't say he, this is why he left you. No, why he was parted from you. So the question is, well, wait a minute, what, who, who's behind that action? A lot of times in the scripture, when the passive voice is employed, when it's like uh, he was parted from you, the implication is by God's purpose. Right? God is behind what happens here. God had a greater purpose than either Philemon or Onesimus. Perhaps God 
took him away from you for a time that you might be reconciled as brothers in Christ forever. So Paul's saying to Philemon, don't you see that God's horizon, God's vantage point is much bigger and much broader than yours. God can be achieving a good and eternally significant purpose even in the midst of messy, sticky, painful situations. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph said a similar thing to his brothers who had wronged him. Joseph's brothers literally sold him into slavery. And he had a terrible experiences for many years. And later, after a long time, he said this. He said, you meant this for evil. Paul, uh, Joseph doesn't minimize their responsibility. You meant this for evil. You meant this to harm me. But, he says, God meant it for good. Because when God brought Joseph to Egypt, Joseph ended up saving the whole nation of Egypt from a famine. And he ended up using some of the grain that he had helped to store, out, store away to feed his own family who would have starved otherwise. And so Joseph can look back and be like, you had an evil purpose in selling me into slavery. But God had a greater purpose, that he would put me where I could save, help to save people from famine and help to feed our family and keep us alive. And in the end, he and his brothers were reconciled. So here's the question. Can you look back, if you have been wronged, if you've been left in the lurch, can you see God's purpose prevailing despite and even through human sin and foolishness? Sometimes it takes a while before we can look back and see God's providential purposes. But that's what Paul's pointing Philemon to here. He's saying God can have a bigger purpose that may only become apparent later on down the road. So we've seen how the gospel made a difference for Onesimus, who was ashamed of his past mistakes, for Philemon, who had been left in the lurch, and finally, for Paul, who was caught in the middle. Paul found himself in a difficult and delicate situation here. He had led both Onesimus and Philemon to faith in Jesus Christ. Philemon had become a beloved brother, a trusted partner in the gospel of Jesus. He hosted a church in his home. Uh, there were no church buildings back then, so that was the only place for ch where churches met. And now Onesimus had become a beloved brother and a trusted partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ who had helped Paul in his imprisonment. But Paul knew that the two of them had had a falling out and they had never got, they weren't on the same page. And Paul had the difficult job of trying to reconcile these two previously estranged men. That's not an easy task. If you've ever been caught in the middle between two people who had a falling out at some time in the past and you're trying to bring them back together so they can be at peace with one another, you know that's not an easy task. And you can't force reconciliation to happen if one or both parties are, un are simply unwilling. That's what Paul recognizes in verse 8 and verse 14. He says, I can't simply force this to happen. Paul doesn't simply issue orders like a military commander. No, he makes an appeal. Because he recognizes in order for the reconciliation to happen, God has to work in Philemon and he has to work in Onesimus to bring them together. But notice the approach Paul takes in this letter. Paul begins his letter by identifying with Philemon in verses 1 to 7. 
Paul says, and notice all the, thing, the positive things he says about Philemon. Verse 1, Philemon, our beloved fellow worker. Verse 3, grace and peace. Verses 4 to 7, Paul thanks God for Philemon's love and faith and prays that his love and faith would increase. So Paul began by identifying with Philemon and building rapport with him and expressing his love and respect for him as a brother in Christ and a partner in the gospel. And then in verses 8 through 16, Paul identifies with Onesimus. And he says, I became his father in my imprisonment. He's my child. Spiritually speaking, he's indeed useful to me. Verse 12, he says, he's my very heart. Verse 13, he says, I'd be glad to keep him with me. He's so helpful, so reliable. Verse 16, he says, he's a beloved brother, especially to me. You see what Paul's doing? It's as if he took Philemon with one hand and took Onesimus with the other hand uh, of, of friendship and stood between the two of them. And then verses 17 to 22, he turns to Philemon and says, if you consider me your partner, receive him as, if, as you would receive me. And if he's wronged you, I'll pay the cost. You see, Philemon and Onesimus couldn't be reconciled on their own. But now, through Paul, they would be. And that's a picture of the even greater reconciliation that Jesus Christ achieved on our behalf. Because here's the thing. Jesus stood between us, who had offended God, and God, who rightly punishes sin. And Jesus came and stood in the middle and took hold of us. And he had eternally been connected to God the Father, Martin Luther wrote this epistle, gives us a masterful and tender illustration of Christian love. For here we see how Paul takes the part of poor Onesimus and advocates for him with his master, with his boss. This is what Jesus Christ has done for us with God the Father. The Father receives us into favor for the sake of Christ, who so earnestly advocates our cause and heartily takes our part, for we are all his Onesimuses if we believe. And if we have been forgiven and welcomed into God's family through Jesus, we can now, like Paul, extend that same reconciling grace to others. You know, the fact that this letter was preserved and included in the New Testament is a testimony that Paul's letter achieved its desired effect. Onesimus took this letter all the way from where Paul was, all the way back to Colossae, where Philemon was, and gave it to Philemon, and they were reconciled and went forth as brothers in Christ. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ really does make a difference in sticky, personal situations. It really can result in the healing of formerly fractured relationships. It really can give us, like Onesimus found, a new identity, a new attitude, and courage to face our past and not run away from it. It really can give us power to forgive people who have wronged us and to see God's purpose prevailing despite human foolishness. Is there a sticky situation you're in the middle of right now? The gospel of Jesus Christ can make a difference. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for preserving this short and very personal letter for our benefit. We pray that 
the good news of Jesus Christ and of his reconciling grace would have an impact in our lives. Lord, help us. It's not easy when we're caught in the middle of the, in, when we've been left in the lurch or when we have wronged others and feel ashamed and afraid. But we pray that you, by your Holy Spirit abiding in us, would make a difference in us in how we approach these situations. Give us the confidence, the humility, the power that comes from you alone. Pray this in your holy name. Amen.